0: Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, the wildfires in California and the coverage of them. Uh, We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon as, as we sit here in New York. The fires in California are becoming the deadliest in the history of a state that has been used to these kind of wildfires. This clearly has evolved into something else. Um, Today, we're going to talk about the coverage of this disaster from somebody who's on the ground and sort of coordinating it. There's been a lot written about whether the journalistic response has been adequate, whether people are taking into account policy issues like global warming as they write about this. Um, We're not going to talk about any of that today. We're going to talk about what it's like to organize a newsroom, what it's like to deal with reporters who are in danger and traumatized, and how you respond to something like this, especially for a place that doesn't have a lot of resources. We're going to be joined today by David Little, who's the editor of the Chico Enterprise Record and the Orville Mercury Register. Hey, David. Hey there. Again, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you know that this is a traumatic time for you. Tell me just a little bit about the papers that you edit what those communities are like, what the papers are like, how long you have been there?
1: I've been the editor at the Enterprise Record for 19 and a half years at Chico Enterprise Record. Um, I was born in Chico, raised here, went to college here, kind of grew up here.
0: You tell us about the community.
1: Chico is a town of about um, almost 100,000. It's heavily uh, student-oriented. It has a four-year university and a two-year community college. About 30,000 college students in this town between Chico State and Butte College, mm-hmm. and, and so it's real college-oriented. We're at the base of this here in Nevada, and, and uh, Paradise is up on a ridge 15 miles and like a world away. Chico's Chico's a hot valley. Paradise is a pine-covered ridge where it snows in the winter, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes schools close because of snow days. Mm-hmm. Um, People go up there because when it's 110 in Chico, it's a mere 105 in Paradise. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people like to live in that community because of all of its famous pine trees. And those pine trees are the matchsticks that went up last week, like everybody's been warning about for the last hundred years.
0: So have fires always been a part of life there?
1: Yeah, it, it burns every year. People are experts at dealing with it, unfortunately. And this is one of those situations that they warned about forever. It's like the Bay Area with the earthquakes. Us and our fires are the same thing. It's The big one's going to hit.
0: So you've probably um, covered, what, what dozens of these? I mean, not of this scale, but dozens of fires.
1: Oh, yeah. There, I mean, it, there was even a camp fire, I think it was six years ago, where a person died that ignited right in about the same place, that canyon where we think it started, um, you know, burns every summer. Hmm.
0: Was it apparent? to you from the beginning that this was on a different scale?
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a weird warning. You know, the fire started at 6.30 and there was a PG&E warning that they might shut power because of high winds and a red flag warning. But I was telling somebody last night, the red flag warnings here are so frequent. It's almost like the boy who cried wolf, you know. It's, it's hot and there's low humidity and the wind's blowing. That pretty much describes like every other day in our world. Mm-hmm. Usually um, so, not in November, though. Right, and so, uh, so yeah, it was it was evident immediately that this was a huge one, and and then when you saw how quickly it traveled, you know, eighty acres a minute, eighty football fields a minute, it's just unbelievable fire behavior like we've never seen. So we we cover fires all the time and evacuations all the time, and the previous worst one burned seventy eight homes. This one burned. 7,700 homes, you know, 10 times, 100 times that.
0: So tell me how you sort of mobilized the newsroom at the beginning. I mean, I assume that when this first started, you thought, oh, here we go again. It's another fire. Let's do what we do when fires break out. Or did you know immediately, like, oh, no, 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 we have to. This is a whole other thing.
1: Well, it started at 630, and um, I didn't even know about it. I, I, I walked out of my house in Chico, probably 30 miles away from where the fire was, and the whole... Eastern sky was orange. And that's when I said, oh, damn, this is something entirely different. And so, uh, race to the office, there was one person in there.
0: How big is the staff?
1: Uh, we have 10 full timers and, uh, four part timers. Okay. And so we knew it was big. And so I, I went up on the roof to get a photo, just to have something to go with the story. And it's it was like a nuclear funnel cloud, um, that, uh, that just grabbed your attention, and, um,
0: and and where were you on the because um, you're print and digital? Where were you on the sort of production schedule in terms of your paper?
1: So the morning paper was already out. We okay. were just updating our website okay. uh, rapidly, and so we we were um, you know doing all we can to update it in real time, build maps. Um, had to get one photo, so I got that one photo from Chico until we could get people on the ground up there and and then, after that, it was just triage you know and what
0: was it what was happening with your staff in terms of where they lived and what were the conditions
1: for them? We have a handful of people that aren't in the newsroom and other departments that obviously were were trying to evacuate and and the evacuation was. It, it wasn't very well organized, and I don't know if I don't know if people are just accustomed to fire here or what. My wife was in Paradise uh, with with her mom, and and I had to call her and say, "Get out of there."
0: There's and, no uh, there's no push alerts.
1: There were no push. Uh, she didn't get one. Uh, a lot of people said they didn't get one. I think part of the problem was power went out and the the internet went down up there. And I don't know, you know, something we're looking into. I don't know if push alerts weren't ordered or what, but mm. but it was mostly word of mouth. It was mostly people, of me, people like me calling loved ones and saying, get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I, I think it seems like everybody got the word at once, usually from friends and family members. And uh, that's why the roads were so clogged. And there's not that many roads off the ridge, you know. That's the biggest problem is... I want a bunch of two lane roads and one single four lane roads, and there's just not many escape routes
0: so what what did the staff do at this point like what was happening in terms of them coming in or them getting in touch
1: so everybody got down here uh very quickly our big sister in uh San Jose called you know actually they said uh, can can you send us photos? And I said, no, because we don't have any photographers. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they sent seven people from the San Jose Mercury News and East Bay Times in our newsroom right now um, helping us out. That was invaluable because otherwise it was people like me on the roof with an iPhone trying to chronicle this major event.
0: What was the status in terms of your staff and their friends and family? I mean, were there a lot of people that were evacuated? Did anybody? Or did anybody lose any anybody close?
1: Yeah, so um, you know, I've lived in Chico almost forever, and, and um, there's never really been an evacuation of Chico proper f- for wildfire. And this was still a long way away, but, but everybody in Chico was safe. But everybody up on the ridge, and it's about 40,000 people, they were evacuating down to Chico. And they're pretty close communities, and we all have friends. And family members who live up in paradise. And so anybody who had a, a roof or an extra bedroom, you know, they were trying to coordinate that. Hey, you can stay here, you can stay there at the same time. And then we were trying to check on employees, most of whom were at work, you know, mm-hmm. eight 30 in the morning when they were evacuated. So most people were at work, but the people who were at work had couldn't get home then after that, because mm-hmm. their town was evacuated at least seven people at work and a similar number of carriers, um lost their homes, and you know since then they've been trying to find places to live um for several days. We had three employees who we thought were missing, um all were located, all were fine um uh, one didn't even know she was considered missing <laughs> because she like so many uh people they safely evacuated with people out of the area, you know just to get away and um
0: so how do you deal with that as the is the leader of this newsroom, how do you deal with the fact that people are trying to do this job, but they're also, I imagine, scared and worried and uh, distracted? And
1: Well, you just, you know, we're, we're humans first and journalists second, and, and the, the job has to come second. I mean, that would be later that evening, that first night, there was an evacuation of A neighbor, a couple neighborhoods in Chico, and one of our reporters kind of lived close to an evacuation zone, and she was concerned, and and I said, get out of here if you're worried, and and, uh, she evacuated uh, to a relative's house a couple hours away and came back to work the next day. Mm. So it's, you know, we we had another part-timer who uh, she and her family had to evacuate uh, their home in Chico. We have one photographer who was on leave right now, um, he lost his home. Uh, hmm. He evacuated, got out safely. You know, Then just the rest of the day, it's trying to do your job while at the same time trying to keep in touch with people in paradise who you know and trying to arrange homes for um, friends and family members who need a place to stay for a night or a week or whatever it's going to be.
0: Hmm. What,
1: uh, yeah. wh- what
0: percentage of your coverage area or your distribution area has been um,
1: devastated? Well, there's two different papers at play here. So there's the Paradise Post, which is assembled here and printed here, and we have a separate two-person staff mm-hmm. that does the Paradise Post. And then there's the Enterprise Record. Mm-hmm. Um, both have somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 subscribers mm-hmm. in Paradise, and and so it's a it's a big part of our circulation. And and for the Paradise Post, it's their entire circulation that's affected. I mean, how do you cover how do you distribute a community newspaper when the community's gone?
0: Mm-hmm. Have you been out yourself just to see what's going on?
1: I've mostly been coordinating coverage. On Saturday, I went out for um, a few hours with a photographer because I wanted to see an area where I grew up called Butte Creek Canyon, and. Um, just had to see it, and I had to make sure my brother's house was okay, mm-hmm. and my grandma's house was okay, and the, this area where I grew up, and uh, it was heartbreaking. And that was enough for me. <laughs> After that, I told the reporters, "You guys go out and cover this. It's just it's traumatic. I really feel for them and anybody who's been around here for a while, having to see these places with so many memories, you know, and, and having to see them like this. It's been difficult."
0: Tell us about the coverage. What what have what has your team been able to do?
1: It's pretty amazing, um, considering we have basically four full time reporters and zero photographers right now. With with Bank's help, we've been able to uh, certainly augment our coverage. But love the fact that we're pushing out updates from seven a.m. to midnight every day with this limited number of hardworking people. They're just very dedicated to the job and didn't have to ask anybody if they could come down on Saturday or Sunday on their regular day off. They were all here anyway. Hmm. Um, It's wonderful, strangely wonderful, to be a journalist in a time like this because you can help keep your community informed. And It's a time where everybody is feeling so helpless. Um, It's nice to be able to feel like you're doing something
0: Yeah, absolutely. I assume the demand for information is just through the roof. You see unprecedented traffic or incoming calls or what's been the response of, or what's the hunger of the community for information?
1: Somebody told me some web stats yesterday and and they were phenomenal, obviously. Um, Probably record traffic, I would imagine.
0: Right. I know Um, that's not the point, but I'm just sort of curious what the the hunger is. Yeah, and it's
1: like, yeah, we're, we're Getting great numbers, but it's, you're right. It's not my it's not my main concern right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what's the status of the fire and the effort to control the fire right
1: now? It's 35 uh, percent uh, contained. It's um, burning in a footprint that's almost one fifth of the entire county's land area. It's a and it's a huge county the raging part of the fire is under control, and they're doing a good job of getting a line around it, but it's a big line. It's a big circle that they've drawn around it, and there's a lot of pockets within that circle that, that are still burning. There are still homes that are endangered and threatened. Um, as, uh, as late as yesterday, we still were hearing of homes going up in flames and structure protection being called on the scanner. Um, mm-hmm. So um, it's mostly in recovery mode, but... on the ground. Uh, power poles are burned and fa- falling over. Um, pine trees and oak trees that with black trunks are hanging over roadways and ready to fall at any minute. You know, there's just a lot of hazards out there. I don't see how on earth they're going to be able to let anybody go home for even another week. Meantime, I woke up this morning it was 33 degrees at my house and people are living in tents. Mm-hmm. Um, thousands of people and it's a real humanitarian crisis that a lot of people are concerned about.
0: Yeah. Well, David, it's great. Um, it's great to talk to you. This is a. Um, it's one of these stories where we're sort of reminded of the power of local news and why, why your kind of newspapers are so important. Um, and I know it's been tough, but um, it's inspirational for people to, to hear about.
1: And you're right. I mean, this is. Uh, you never get as many compliments as you do during a crisis. You can write these great investigative pieces that you'll work on for weeks and months. And when you just help keep people informed and tell them whether or not their block has burned down or whether they have a place to go home to, you never hear as many thank yous as you do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, two years ago, I, I don't know if you remember the story, but, uh, tallest dam in the United States is in our backyard. It's in our circulation area, and the spillway was getting ready to burst.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Our county had to evacuate 188,000 people, mm-hmm. um, just like the evacuation the other day, which was 54,000. This was 188,000. And um, yeah, I think we got really good at breaking news coverage during that evacuation. You know, that was a two-week crisis that still isn't over. They're still rebuilding this spillway. It's mm-hmm. a billion-dollar problem that they're trying to fix. But I remember during that situation, there were so many people calling and saying thanks and for keeping them informed. It's, it's a blessing to be in this field when um, people are thirsting for information. It's nice to be able to let them know what's going on to the extent that we can. Yeah.
0: Well, um, best of luck to all of you, and um, thanks again for talking to us.
1: Yeah, thank you. I I appreciate you thinking of us. Okay, take care. All right, you too.